0: Prince remembered from The Current. This is Jay Gabler from The Current's local music team. Minneapolis artist Peyton Scott Russell first encountered Prince in the 1990s when Peyton showed work at the Glam Slam Nightclub, a downtown Minneapolis spot that Prince owned and where he frequently performed. Peyton also worked at Paisley Park, among other things he helped to decorate Paisley Park for Prince's 1996 wedding reception. And when Prince died last year, Peyton was moved to cover Prince's First Avenue star in Gold Leaf. As the one-year anniversary of Prince's death approaches, Peyton has brought his Glam Slam pieces out of storage, and he plans to display them at an April 21st event at his Cascade Art studio. There are details about that at thecurrent.org. Last week, Peyton welcomed me into his northeast Minneapolis studio to talk about his long and complicated history with Prince and to share the story of gilding Prince's star, which created an instant sensation. So before we talk about Prince, let's talk about you. So you grew up around here.
1: Yes. Pretty much born and raised Minneapolis. I've lived in, uh, all different sides of the city from, um, uh, Prospect Park to South Minneapolis to North Minneapolis, uh, lived in New Richmond, Wisconsin in, uh, middle school years. So I kind of bounced around a little bit, you know, graduated from high school, late eighties, moved to uh, Chicago, was there for about six or seven years, came back to Minneapolis, uh, Hardcore into the arts, then moved to South Carolina,
0: now I'm back again. So pretty much, you know, very itinerant, you know. Yeah. So you're based here in northeast Minneapolis and you're now primarily known as a graffiti writer and a teacher as well.
1: Pretty much, pretty much. It's uh yeah, it's yeah, it's one of the things in my artistic arsenal that I'm that I'm
0: very passionate about, you know, is uh graffiti art and, and, and teaching. Yeah. So, um, tell me about how you first uh, took a special interest in Prince. I understand you were in Chicago at the time.
1: Yeah, so, you know, li- living here, um, I've, I've seen him a bunch of times, you know, when his first couple albums coming out, there was the buzz around town, and um, I had actually seen him in, at the roller gardens, you know, a few times, and everybody's hey, man, that's Prince, He's you know, he's got that album out. And, and so, you know, I didn't really take a whole lot of notice you know to him at the time and and uh getting into high school in 84 when purple rain came out um before that um you know people were really into the controversy and and um um uh, 1999 and of course you know i loved it all but i wasn't like you know i wasn't like a fan you know i was into hip-hop hip-hop was new it was coming out i was a b-boy you know trying to learn break dancing getting into graffiti so that was in my scene um and of course, graduating, you know, in '87, I moved to Chicago, and so people found out I was from here, and there was like, "Oh, do you know Prince? Have you ever seen him?" And I kept getting those questions, and and so um, "Sign o' the Times" was out, and I remember when I first listened to that album, I didn't like it, you know, it just took a while, you know, for me, to, but I, could, I couldn't stop listening to it, which was weird. I didn't quite like it, but I couldn't turn it off. I just kept playing it, and playing it, playing it, and it just kind of slowly grew on me. And I just started hearing deeper things in it, and and um, that was the album that kind of hooked me. And then it's, it's my favorite album out of the whole collection, as it is most people's. Um, and then um, I actually um, went back and started listening to um, Around the World in a Day, and that's, you know, That album and and, uh, "Sign of the Times" are kind of my two favorites, and then "Parade" kind of mixes in 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 there. Um, But right about '88, '89 is when I really fell into it, you know, in Chicago, and saw um, the people in Chicago helped me see a different side of it, you know. And then then I started trying to relive, and I well, I remember when I saw him here, I saw him in Uptown, and you know this, and remembered all the sightings that that I would see him and so I started collecting bootlegs you know trying to find all the stuff and that's when I started digging deeper and started hearing all this music that you don't hear and that's when I was like wow this guy is different you know and just there's something about it he's you know I always call him the wizard and he makes spells and if you fall into that spell it's like you're in that and so then I was on this crusade and then I would come home for visits and then I would be you know calling people and trying to Find out the, the avenues, you know, and you know Paisley Park was opening, and I you know, wanted to get in there some kind of way. Um, and it was the early nineties um, that I had an opportunity uh, to come back for some art stuff, and and uh, I ran into one or two people, and, and I and this I don't really remember how it happened, but somebody there was a guy that was curating work for Glam Slam, and I ended up meeting him, and he said, "Well, show me some work. I could maybe get you a show on Glam Slam." So uh, this was, I forget what, maybe 92 at the time. Um, and so um, at one point I came back with a portfolio of stuff and, and it was kind of similar to what you're seeing here. And he immediately said, okay, you're in. you know. Yeah. I'll give you a show.
0: Yeah. So for the benefit of people who are listening and can't see what we're looking yeah. at, how, how would you describe this work that we're looking at right now?
1: Well, this particular work was created pretty much specifically for the club. Because once I got in there, I took measurements of the walls. The work had to be large so it could stand out. Um, you know, a few celebrity faces that were popular um, then um, that I was kind of focusing on. And then I I just tried to make things that were um, like ethereal and um, outer body experiences and, you know, spiritual kind of awakenings and, you know, things that had to deal with water. Um, and so that was, you know, I was just kind of... You know, making an an aesthetic for the club. And so the curator kept saying, well, you know, um, I love all these, but they have to be approved. Right. You
0: know. And so just to clarify, we're looking at some large format pieces here. Work on paper, screen printing? Yes. In sort of different colors. I'm seeing Michael Jordan there, Prince. Cindy Crawford, um, Jimi Hendrix. You know, I was
1: way into Jimi Hendrix kind of even before I got into Prince. Um, So... And I, and I knew there was some influence there, so I definitely wanted to do something there. But yeah, these these um, larger underwater scenes, um, you know, just kind of real surreal and,
0: and symbolic. Yeah, and so if I was trying to describe this to someone, they might like look at it and think, "Well, I see Andy Warhol there, but with kind of a '90s twist." Does that yep. seem right? Yep, I had a lot of influence from Warhol.
1: Being a printer, I studied his work, the simplicity of it. Um, I'm a little bit more detailed oriented. I, I like artsy flair and this and that, but, I, but I like the simple parts of, uh, Warhol. And, and so there was a lot of that, you know, influence in the work for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm sorry, you were saying, so you're sort of trying to shape the aesthetic of the club.
1: Yeah. So I wasn't the only artist they were, you know, it was rotating artists. Um, but, um, so when I got the opportunity, I just, I just tried to, Infuse myself into what it, what that might be, what people might want to see, and that's kind of where this most of the stuff had, had come from. And um, so, I had my date, and I created all the stuff, brought it in, and the curator was there, and he he just loved it all. He's like, "Okay, hang it all, um, you know, but just be prepared. You know, you might have to adjust a few things here and there. Fine." Yeah. So I hung the entire show, and Prince walked in when i was done i was kind of walking around admiring the thing making sure the frames were straight and you know and and then he comes in and it was like the first time i had seen him since i was into him now you know i'm like oh my god there he is you know he's looking at my stuff and he walks around you know good 15 minutes he stopped at each piece walked all around and then he stopped at his piece the afro 1970 um you know robert um
0: Uh, photograph i got that this is a a piece sort of taken from the iconic photograph of prince in front of the schmidt music mural wall in downtown minneapolis and you just sort of isolated his face from that and blew it up very large i'm seeing in sort of like some purples and blues and yellows Mm -hmm. reds there some browns again in a
1: very warhol aesthetic you know but uh lots of drips and like Spilling paint, which I really like to do. So Prince stops and sees this. He looked at that for quite a while, and then he walked out. And about five minutes later, the assistant manager came out and she said, "Uh, "This piece has to come down." And I was like, "What? That's like the piece." He's like, "He's he. uh, It's the Afro piece. He's not into that at the moment. It's an old photo. Um, It's just it hasn't been approved, so you have to remove that." So I was I was heartbroken. Um, obviously, out of all the pieces, you know, he 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 x's that one, and um, but the assistant manager she said I want it. So how much would you sell it to me for? So it was a bittersweet thing. I sold the piece to her, but I couldn't exhibit it, and so they, it came down, and we filled it with another another piece, um, and. Up until last year, I haven't shown that since. You know, it went up for what I don't know thirty minutes maybe, and then it came. I sold it. It came down, and then it's been in storage ever since. Ever since last year, and I had I had two exhibits: Parkway Theater, it went up at Parkway Theater, and then a, an exhibit at U Rock over in North Minneapolis on Plymouth. And so, and then it'll be shown again during this uh, during this ex- exhibition. Yeah. So, what was the scene at Glam Slam like back then? Hey, it was a club, you know, it was a nightclub, and I was in my younger 20s, so it was my first time going out and, you know, experiencing uh, club life and, you know, trying to be grown and, <laughs> you know, experiencing all of that. And and, um, it, it, Glam Slam wasn't um, anything crazy or over the top, you know. Paisley Park was, and we can get into that in a little bit. Um, But Glam was just a nightclub, and so I spent a lot of time there, my work was there. Um, Well, funny story, if I could go into this piece, so um, one of the nights, it was after the opening reception, um, we're there, and they have a back room. Oh, actually, I think it was maybe my second or third show up there, because I started rotating work there, Okay. and I got into the back lounge area, the VIP of the VIP upstairs. And so I had artwork back there, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I'm in here, I'm in, you know. So Prince comes in, he's sitting on the couch, and I carried a portfolio with me, um, uh, an 8x10 book of photographs of other work that wasn't hanging at the time. So he's sitting on the couch, and I I just thought, you know, I'm going to go over and present myself and show my my portfolio. So I walk over to him, and I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? This is my art, you know thanks for the opportunity you know would you are you interested in looking at my other stuff and I opened the book and laid it on the table in front of him he sucking on a lollipop he bends over he starts flipping through the pages of the book and I'm like all right he's looking at my stuff all of a sudden I'm in a full Nelson and I, I got swung around and you know I'm totally confused I don't know I thought something was something was going down you know Whoa, what's going on in the club and so the bodyguard is like what are you doing you know you can't be doing that you, know, you can't talk to him and you can't approach him like that you have me to get approval for that and he said you have to leave and I'm like what this is my art is in here this is you know one of my exhibitions and why are you gonna kick me out of my own show and so I sat there and I argued for a while the other bouncers came around and and you know Prince didn't say anything he just was like looking at the whole scene and the, the guard grabbed my portfolio gave it to me and he's like you have to leave he said you can come back but you cross the line and tonight you have to leave and I was just dumbfounded I just didn't know what was up with that you know I didn't do anything I just showed him my art and then I got put in a full Nelson and was kicked out yeah. and so I'm standing outside just totally perplexed and didn't know what happened it was just that quick and, and um, you know I came back like the next night and you know and then people were telling me like yeah there's kind of rules here you know he's different guy you just can't do that even though you're there you're in vip you're back there you, you know there's a separation that you have to adhere to and so i was like okay all right you know you know still a little embarrassed about the whole thing and um yeah so that that was like my first real encounter of what that was like and and a lot of other things happened after that as well um you know, he actually would follow me in the club, you know, and I tested it one time. You know, he'd, I'd be sitting at the railing, and he'd come within maybe 15 or 20 feet, you know, on the railing next to me. And then I would move to the other side, and then he'd come over to the other side. And then I'd go back again, and he'd come back. And I did that three or four times, you know, like playing this game, this cat-mouse game. And I actually tried to approach him again, you know, and then the the guard stepped in front of me. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I just want to talk. Not here. Back up, you know. <laughs> and then he would give me like a little side look, you know. And then then he then he left. And that was that was another time. Then um, there was other,
0: some other smaller times too. You know, I ended up working at Paisley Park for a while. And um, so, sort of clarify that transition. Yeah. So you're showing your work at glam slam yep. throughout a period of years in the 90s yeah from about 93 was the first show
1: and this is when i get a little confused because um, i i had a i mean i rotated work i didn't have like full-out exhibitions but i would rotate one or two pieces things would adjust i'd bring old pieces back mm-hmm. and it was kind of rotating
0: other artists were showing work and so it was in and out um, did you have a sense that like that Prince was bringing artists in to show their work to sort of like support artists in the community or were they just like looking for something to hang on the walls I at, see I think they were just looking for
1: something to hang on the walls just something that was interesting and, and you know local yeah. right um, and I never got a sense that he actually was supporting the artistic community you know I didn't feel that I just felt that they were decorating the club okay um and this, you know, it, it, for me, it ended about ninety-five, maybe ninety-six. It was, a, it was a period like there was a transition. I took the work down. Some other work had, had been shown, and all of a sudden, it was the quest. And it was like, and I get confused whether that was ninety-five or ninety-six that that kind of happened, and it might even been a, a one or two years later. Um, I mean, I look at the date on the work, and, I, and most of it is from '93 to '95, and I have a couple pieces that's '96. Like I just discovered, I'm you know, looking at the date, um, and I thought, okay, maybe I did have some stuff there in '96. Um, but then it changed into the Quest, and the most of this work ended up going to the Rogue um, Supper Club. So I was I was one of the featured artists at the Rogue, and then that closed, and then I started showing work um, at the Lounge. Or was it the living room? The lounge. <laughs> yeah, one of those. So, yeah, that was that whole kind of mid to late 90s um, time. Yeah. And so then what was your first experience
0: at Paisley Park?
1: Um, well, I'd been going up there for the after parties, you know, the little after sets. And um, a friend of mine, who actually, um, we, we split a warehouse, um, an upstairs warehouse. And she had one half of it. I had the other half. And I sub-leased space from her. And she was a scenic artist. And she worked on several movies. Uh, if you remember that time in the 90s when Minneapolis was kind of being set up for the new Hollywood. Well, she was in with all of that. And so she would hire me to work on these scenic movies. I worked on Beautiful Girls. Um, and... Ah, uh, there was one more. I can't remember. Maybe it was Jingle All the Way. Anyway... Um, she was, uh, she was doing that, so then she got hired at Paisley Park to work on the reception for the wedding with him and my team. and this would have been I think 96. yeah, uh, Valentine's Day of '96. And so um, so she called me up and said, "Hey, you know, I know you're really into this. Um, i got an opportunity for you to work at Paisley Park. We're going to decorate the entire place. Um, it's going to take about three weeks, you know, maybe longer. We should come on in." So, of course, you know, I was just google eyed And, you know, right away she was like, you got to keep that under control because if you start freaking out, you're gone. So, I'm like, okay, I got it. You know, I've already kind of been down this road before, so I understand. Uh, So, we started. And, you know, I was one of the low guys. I was, you know, the grunt. You know, I painted walls. I took out the trash. I hauled wood, you know.
0: Um, You know, I just did the heavy lifting. Yeah. Now, this was... Before Paisley Park was redecorated, which I know happened a little bit later in the 90s, did it, how did it look different from how it looks today? Have you been out there recently? No, I have not. Okay. Um, Because when I left it,
1: I left it. Yeah. When I left, I was done. Okay. I was kind of fed up with some of the stuff
0: that had happened. um, Okay. When I left, I kind of didn't look back until last year. Yeah. Which is really odd. Yeah, so how would you describe the aesthetic of Paisley Park at that time? So, um, you
1: you would enter into a different space um i swear he had like subliminal music going on he's probably pumping oxygen in there because it was different like the air was different you'd walk in there and you just really felt like you were you went somewhere else and when you would leave i remember every time i would walk out of the doors i would get like this different air like oh, i'm back on earth you know and I would leave and I had to kind of get my head right again and you know the colors and the lights and everything that was going on there it was just it was uh, just really surreal and so even working there um, there's no windows right the windows are really wear. so you kind of don't know once you get into the hours you know what time it is but you kind of forget you know and you're working three four o'clock five six you know sometimes you're getting out at three in the afternoon nine in the morning it kind of didn't matter you get a call at two o'clock Hey, we got to come in and, you know, do something on the sound stage and, you know. So, um the hours kind of didn't matter. You just yeah. it was just
0: kind of just carp blanche open. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just it just felt really strange. Yeah. To and be he, there. And so you were there working on this sort of redecoration for the reception for the planned wedding. Yep. Yeah. And it was it was a pretty significant project then. It was going to take a team of people oh, weeks yeah. to complete this. Yeah, there was a big crew of us yeah so what were some of the big things that were being done we i I, so
1: i remember some of the specific projects that i worked on so dolphin was out at the time the song and so we made this fountain um with a dolphin it had moss on it um and that was pretty big most of it was styrofoam because again kay uh she knew how to take styrofoam and make it look like marble or expensive wood you know with these faux paintings and she taught me a lot of that stuff too um, so we take these cheap materials and then make them look like really extravagant, expensive, hard granite things. So uh, one of the things was a fountain. Um, uh, lots of symbols, right? The glyph, those are everywhere. Uh, painting walls, different colors. Like we paint walls three, three or four times in a day. You know, like, hey, we need this black. And I, I'd paint it black. And then a couple hours, oh, we let's see what it looks like in pink okay you know i'll turn it to blue you know um and that's how the symbols were too these giant eight foot glyph symbols you know we paint them different colors glitter uh you know different uh spray paint on make them look like clouds you know different things like that i worked on a project um the window the atrium window the front window and i did this huge heart right and they gave me these uh stack of uh those clear mylar sheets that they put on uh spotlights and so I had a bunch of the red ones, and they were like, okay, do like a stained glass thing with like a big giant heart, and I was like, all right. I worked, I don't know, six to eight hours on this thing, and they were 8 by 10 Mylar sheets. So I had to figure out how to take all these small pieces and
0: put them together into this very large heart yeah. format. Because to clarify, this is 8 inches by 10 inches. Yes. Yeah. You had these
1: small yeah. 8 by 10 inch squares. And the windows were, I don't know, those atrium windows. They're huge. I don't know what size those are.
0: Um, but I, I did it. I completed the heart. and I was really proud of myself. Hey, just clarify, these are the windows on top of the atrium or by the doors? By the in? doors. Okay, okay. Right? Yeah, by
1: the doors. So they're what? Those windows are all the way. You know, they're the whole store floor of the... I don't know how, how big they are. They're Play-class pretty windows, large. I mean, yeah. I was on ladders yeah. hanging the stuff. You know, a little roll of tape. So... I finished this project. I was really excited, you know, about it. Super proud. Worked all day on this thing. You know, it was front and center. Everybody's gonna see this piece. And I'm getting off the ladder. He's standing right behind me, and I, I almost like stepped on him. Basically, almost ran into him. And you know, I'm like, whoa, it freaked me out because I didn't know he was there. Um, and I was like, oh, hey man, how you doing? Didn't say a word. You know, I'm like, what do you think? What do you think? And he just didn't say a word, just kept looking, turns around, walks away. I'm like, all right, <laughs> you know. Five minutes later, Kay comes up to me and she, and she says, ah, the heart looks like it's broken. And right when she said that, it totally did. Because I took these 8x10 mylar sheets and I made them to look like um, irregular tiles, but I made these hard points on them. So the heart looked shattered, and once that was pointed out to me, you know, then I couldn't get that out of my mind. It, the heart totally looked shattered. Um, as a graffiti writer, um, graffiti artist, that's one of the techniques that we use, you know, making things look like tiles and using different colors and you know, cracks and that kind of thing. It's really cool to us, and I think that's where that really came from. But it wasn't flying right there. So we had a big meeting about you know what to do. Um, you know, Kay had suggested some things and we were gonna, you know, we we figured it out. But then I got pulled into a different project. And so they're like, okay, we're gonna handle that tomorrow. We're gonna get more mylar sheets and we'll fix it up. So I'd been through the, the discussion with her, uh, and this is this was the, the the most interesting encounter I had with Prince. Um the next day I get called into one of the, the spaces, one of the offices, um, which are down below. There's like three or four rooms, you know, in the main area. And they're mm-hmm. like little office spaces. And we'd been in there before to discuss things that weren't quite going, like the dolphin fountain it had too much moss on it. We had to take the moss down. And Kay was always in there. And she, you know, she's my boss. And yeah. she was always the one talking. And what's her last name? Crop. Okay, Kay Crop. Uh, so she was always the one talking, and, you know, then she would sometimes you lay the message to me and back and forth and and so uh one of the times i got pulled off alone and they say hey we need you go back in the room and when the phone rings answer it so i'm like okay you know i go back there i'm the only one back there and so i'm waiting i you know i kind of started dozing off a little bit you know i was a little tired it's 10 maybe 15 minutes and so prince walks in i'm like wow in the flesh. Yeah. At me, me and him in this room alone, you know. He sits down as you are. He kind of turns his back to me. You know? He kind of sits like this. <laughs> you know, he kind of has his back to me. And, and, you know, I immediately woke up and I'm like, wow. Then the phone rings, right? The phone starts ringing. It's a black phone, the square old style phone. You know, touch, uh, push button phone. And the phone is ringing. But now he's in the room. So I'm like, wow, I'm not going to answer the phone. You know,
0: now he's in the room now. so You're at Paisley Park. The phone rings. Right. <laughs> Prince is there. You're, yeah. So
1: I'm just, it's ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. He looks over at me and he looks down at the phone. He looks back up at me like, answer the phone. <laughs> he didn't say anything though. So I'm like, oh, so I answer the phone. Now, I don't remember this guy's name, but he was, he was Kay's boss and during these discussions he would talk to Kay. Kay would talk to me right prince would talk to this whoever this guy was well it was him and um he had been in the meetings before but now he was in houston somewhere in texas and he's like hey you know we got a problem with the heart we got to change it it looks you know and i'm like yeah i kind of already been through this you know um he said well what is what are your suggestions what are you, what are you going to do and so we kind of talked it through how we were going to change it a little bit, and then I asked a question about you know because uh, they wanted purple outline and whatever it was, and so I asked the question, and the guy said, "Okay, hold on, hang the phone up." I hung up the phone, and this other phone rings. Prince pulls gold phone out, and you know, I, I didn't really think a whole lot of it at the time, but I just my first thought was, where'd that phone come from? it was the same phone that, that that was the one on the table the black one but it was gold and he put it on his lap and he put his hand, his mouth over the phone and he's kind of whispering on the phone and he hangs the phone up and, and the black phone rings again and it's the guy and he's ah okay yeah we're gonna do this that and the other yeah you know, and i'm kind of like all right i'm communicating through this guy he's in houston through these two phones he's not speaking to me but he's as close as you are to me now And so we went back and forth on this conversation, these yes or no questions and answers. We must have spent, I don't know, 20, 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes in that room going back and forth like that. And I actually, right at the end, was playing the game as well because I would deliberately ask a yes or no question to make it go through the channels. So we got to the end of it, and uh, I'm on the phone, and then he walks out. And I'm still on the phone and kind of cleaning up whatever, and he leaves the phone on the chair. And so the I gold hang phone. the gold phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I hang the phone up and I just look at the phone and I'm looking at it. Now remember, I had been in that room ten or fifteen minutes prior. There was no phone. You would have noticed the gold phone sitting there. And when he walked in, I might have been so starstruck I didn't see him with the phone. But I could swear to you, I thought about these over the years, he did not have a phone with him. I don't know where that phone came from. You know, he walked in and I was half sleeping. Uh, So that, you know, he might have had it behind his back or whatever, but he comes in and he sits down and I'm kind of checking him out. I didn't see no phone. And so I don't know where that phone came from. (laughs) Um, I told a lot of people that and, you know, some people are like, yeah, you know. Some people are like, whatever, that's BS. And some people will tell me there's a lot of interesting stories like that. He has hundreds of them different people that he would play games with and set things up like that so that was that was my most interesting encounter there um there were smaller ones um here and there it it, it got to the point um uh, you know i'm an artist not a musician um and i was kind of trying to work on my own thing and after a few years I got a little tired of you know like going out and being in the scene and then being in Paisley Park and being around the circles, but really not feeling included. And the last time I was there, uh, a friend of mine that I hung out with, uh, John Bevel, he's a clothing designer, he's no longer here, um, he passed away in 2004, he he was like my best friend. You know, he, he was the guy that we went to the Paisley Park together, we were always at Glam Slam, The Quest, and we just, we were just in that circle together and we would go to the after parties and you know you'd get frisked when you would come into the door
0: and then you'd be in the party and then so these people when you say sorry after parties after parties at, paisley, at park paisley park after shows yes at glam slam yeah or sometimes he would just
1: throw a party and then you you would be in the channels you would get a message right somebody would get a message and say hey paisley park tonight and then you everybody show up and you knew that was a late night you'd get out at six, seven, eight sometimes nine o'clock you know he, he wouldn't get on till two, three o'clock and in the play. morning yep and then he'd play three, four hours or whatever uh, so John and I we, we were doing that, but it right at the end of it I would get I would get frisked a lot at the door and then once I was in there, I would get pulled off pulled off to the side and frisked again. There was one time I got first three times, pulled off into those rooms, and and I just looked at the guard, and I was just like, what is going on? I'm already in here. You guys know I don't have any recording devices, and they said, we're just doing what we're told. We just have to spend time with you, you know, and I'm just like, oh. you know, it's really kind of disturbing and, you know, kind of ruining the flow of the night and I was getting fed up with it you know just always being pulled off getting frisked getting looked at hey you got to stand over here for a little while you know we need you right here why i don't know i'm just following orders (laughs) i'm like wow okay so the last night i went up there um john and i were standing in line we get pulled off to the side every the whole entire line comes through we're the only two in the lobby They close the door and lock it. John is a little more impatient than I was. And he's banging on the door. You know, the guys open the door. Hey, what's up? And John's like, you know, what's going on? Oh, we haven't been told to let you guys in yet. John's like, wow, this is really BS. So we're waiting, we're waiting. All of a sudden, everybody in the lobby leaves. They all go in the back, it gets concert starting, whatever's happening, everybody leaves. And they turn the lights off. Lights got turned off, and you're locked out. And we're we're standing in between the double doors, like in the vestibule. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And John just screams at the top of his lungs, "F you! This is BS!" You know. And he's just he's like, "Let's go!" And I just laughed. I just laughed. And we walked out. And I hadn't been back since. Um, I did. I did go back one other time uh, with a girlfriend of mine. Um, I think I think this was uh, one night alone was that 90 or 2004 uh, okay he had a concert at XL yeah and so
0: that night when you got locked out that would have still been in the 90s. yeah I think it was 97 okay that was 97 okay. and I was done yeah so several years later yep um,
1: I, you know the, the girlfriend at the time is now the mother of my kids. Um, and so she wanted to experience that, and I, so we went to the concert. And then there was an after set after the concert. And I said, "Well, you know, I, I can we can go. I can call some people, and we can get in." And so we went up there, and you know, we stood in line, did the whole channels. We walked in, and I'm a little older now, and and so we're, we're in there. And she actually got a chance to see it, and he was doing his thing. It was you know one two o'clock. he, had, he hadn't gone on stage yet, and we're tired. You know, and she's like, "Well, you know, we already, I've already seen them." You know, I now I'm in Paisley Park. I don't really need to. I kind of like to go, and I'm like, "Are you sure?" You know, it's it's different. You know, you're gonna hear some different things. And she's like, "No, I'm I'm okay." We left. We left. So she didn't get to see the the after set, and that was the last time I was there.
0: Yeah. And so we left. And did you have a sense that anything had changed at Paisley Park between '97 and 2004? um so we went in through the back they had
1: a tent at, and it was like a back door i'd yeah. never gone through that okay. way before um and um i think my tastes were different you know i i, I would remember the time when um uh, that i was a little more starstruck a little bit more into it and um i just remember feeling like i was just standing around waiting for something to happen and you know people were just kind of being there to be there and you know and and it just was like not my scene anymore and so when she wanted to leave i didn't really argue with that much but i i I tried to encourage her to stay so she could hear the deeper parts of what he had to offer because you know if you those people who never went to paisley park and saw that that underlay of what he had i mean that's you would see the magic I mean when people say genius i mean that is just an understatement i mean when you would go to paisley park and you would hear him in his element when he was comfortable my goodness i mean it was just something i it's really hard to explain that so i wanted her to see that and i i would have sucked it up and stayed the night but you know again we were tired and we wanted to go so
0: yeah so we left um, see so you, you knew a lot of other people who are sort of Par- paisley park regulars and you know, maybe had other, their own relationships with Prince. Did you ever get any sense at all of what it might have been that caused his apparent feelings towards you to be so complicated? Uh, I never quite figured it out, but Tommy, Tommy Barbarella, we became pretty decent friends. Keyboardist and, from the New key, Power Generation. Yes. Yeah.
1: He, uh, he would say, um, you know, um, he always thought that he liked me, but he didn't know how to incor- incorporate me into the because 'cause I'm a visual artist and um, you know, he's with musicians. He knows how to control that and and so Tommy always felt like he didn't quite know how to how to handle that. And so, um he could just you know, I always thought it was this personal thing. I always thought I was the one being selected out and being treated like that. And it wasn't until last year that I figured out that there was so many other people that he treated like that. I just thought it was me, you know. Um, and then all these stories would come out, you know, of all these people explaining these different things that would happen. And I was like, wow, I kind of went through that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was the only thing that I could really uh, put my finger on. Because um, you're so, kind of,
0: oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I I just I never yeah. figured it out because you, you were kind of being given a hard time, but and yet you were coming back and being hired. In fact, you were yeah. you were working for Paisley Park throughout this time. So not only was he for the most part like let, happily like letting you in, but he was actually you know hiring you to work on projects and at right. the same time kind of almost like teasing you. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. There there you know uh, there were times when I just because
1: now we're what twenty some years later, and sometimes I I wanted, did I dream that. You know, like, Paisley Park was so different. There were times when I actually thought I was dreaming and, like, is this really happening? Like, he followed me a lot. He would stare at me through plants. And, you know, I could feel him. And I would look around and be like, ah, I feel like somebody's watching me. And then I wouldn't see him for a while. And I would keep looking. And then I'd see him, like, in a plant, like, between the leaves. And then when, I would, when he would recognize that I could see him, he'd walk away. And I was like, okay, that was weird. You know, things like that happened all the time. Um... But he, he never spoke, he never said hi, he never gestured or anything, and very s- quick eye contact, you know, and always close proximity, you know, but it, it was just really strange, it was really strange. So, after a while, I, was, I just was like, whatever, this is... <laughs> yeah. So, when I left, I like left. I mean, I, I almost rarely bought any of the new albums, there was a few that I bought, but i kind of stopped listening um, until he passed and then when he when he passed um it took me a while you know and at first you know the plane the emergency landing right that happened and and i was like oh okay and then and then when i got the news that he passed i thought i, I was in denial i didn't believe it at first i thought it was you know a a, a rumor hoax from the plane landing you know and, you know, people started talking about it. The news was carrying on. And I kind of, I was just like, oh, well, that's too bad. And as the day went on, I started remembering certain things and I, I started pulling out some of my old material and I had to dig it out, I had to find it. I didn't know where the stuff was. And I slowly started pulling out some of the music that really like had an effect on me. And when I started hearing that stuff again, I had heard it since back then. And I started remembering. I started getting that feeling, and it was like midday um, on that day. And then I just kind of, kind of fell apart. You know, felt like I lost a family member, which was really um, odd for me, because I'm I'm not a person that's um, into celebrities. I don't get starstruck. It's you know I'm just not impressed by famous folks and you know things that they do. Yeah, of course. But Prince is the only one that I've ever you know been like, oh, you know, and so. I just really felt like I lost like a silent mentor. you know. He just gave me so much, so much inspiration and you know uh, passion for doing what I do. And yeah, it was just like his music, there was always slow growth. A lot of times I would listen to some of his stuff and I wouldn't like it right away. And then after a while it would just grow on me and these are just songs that are just like a part of me. And then when he passed away, same thing happened. I didn't feel anything right away and then after, after a little bit, you know, I was kind of a wreck for a while. (laughs) So
0: there you have it. Yeah. Well, and then you decided to give his star on First Avenue's wall a treatment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I try to, I try
1: to keep that under wraps, you know, as long as I could. Um, you know, it was, I think it was a few months, you know, put it up.
0: Um, And so just to tell the story of putting it up, you went in dark of night, about 3.30 in the morning, I understand. Yeah.
1: It was a couple weeks after his passing because people spent the night, you know, at that star, putting stuff up, notes and flowers. and So I kept going there, checking it, and and, um, I just recently started gold leafing in my art. And I learned it from a former student of mine, who's now a, a, a sign painter, uh, Dan Matson. You know, Dusty Signs. Give a little plug there. Uh, so he he taught me like some basics about gold leafing, and I was incorporating that into my into my art. And you know, I saw all of the the pictures and people posting different things around the star, and I'm just like, you know, as a graffiti writer, graffiti artist, you know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna gold that thing, you know so it was about two weeks went by finally the the it died down a little bit really late at night and i figured three o'clock would be perfect you know a couple hours i could get it done um so one night it made it happen um and it was before the um uh, paul mccartney concert which i didn't know i mean it was kind of a perfect alignment of the stars because i didn't know it was going to uh, be that much of a a big deal I knew pe- I knew it was going to get noticed, right? I knew it was going to, you know, but I felt it was just going to be another oh, someone just decorated the star you know with the wrong with the posters and whatnot, but wow, did that thing it was huge you know I've, I've seen murals in Europe of that you know black background gold star with the, with the uh, the font that 's on there, that that exact replica of that star, so it really carried a lot of weight. Um and yeah i mean it 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 leaked out, of course, you can tell one or two people and everybody knows and
0: and then I got the article uh minneapolis St paul yeah um, magazine, yeah, have you ever talked to the staff at first avenue about it? no, um, I did, but not about that specifically yeah, um
1: because i I kind of knew they weren't happy about it, you know they wanted uh, you know, I understand as a graffiti writer, I understand the conundrum of street art and graffiti. Everybody loves it, but there's a layer that that people hate because of how it's produced. So I get that. I understand that. Um, So I knew they they weren't happy, um, but it it brought a different element to the club with the gold star, more selfies, the more photos. So it was an enhancement, usually as street art and graffiti is, but you gotta get over that hard part of it. And the star started to be damaged people were picking it and putting stickers on it and then pulling them off and then gold would come off and so I uh, somewhat anonymously called them and said hey you know I, I know the star is getting a little damaged you know I'd be I would I'd offer my services to to clean it up so right away they were they were excited about it yeah we need someone to fix it up do you know how to do this you know what kind of material is it everyone thought it was paint right and so, you know, I just, <laughs> was like, well, I don't think it's paint. You know, um, you know, it's actual
0: 24 karat gold. Yeah, it's
1: 24 karat gold leaf. And so uh, so we went through these conversations and we finally got to a point where we were going to do it. And they said, well, we can't pay you. We'll give you uh, tickets for shows and a, and a bar tab. I was like, that is awesome. I would love that. So they were like, well, send me your website. We can check you out. And I, and I knew right away, I was like, if I send my website, they're going to know. I didn't have anything, any evidence that I did that, but I knew they would link the dots. Yeah. Right. So I was like, okay, if I send them my website, they're going to know. So I sent them the website, and then I didn't hear anything. And here we had been in conversation a couple times a day through emails. And then I got ghosted. And then I started messaging them back, hey, you know, are we going to do this? And, didn't hear a thing a couple weeks went by i'm like wow okay they're upset they ghosted me um maybe even three weeks went by and it's getting late into the summer and i said hey if we're going to do this there's there's a there's a weather piece you know if it gets too cold the gold leafing isn't going to work correctly we'll have to wait till spring to get that done so they contacted me so oh, we've been busy with deadlines you know sorry we haven't contacted you back um you know, so when could you do it? And I was like, well, I could do it next week. Okay, come in. And, and then I didn't hear a thing again from them for a while. It was really strange. And then, um, uh, I get a message from from them saying, thanks, but no thanks. We found someone else to do it. So I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, because like, cut me out of it. You know, that's cool. I understand. Um, and I'm not sure, um, who did it or how they did it but i think it's paint i think it's painted now because the star is like perfect it's super edged off and really nicely done um I, you know it could have a clear coat on it but i really doubt that it's 24 karat gold it doesn't have the luster it once had uh, when i first did it it was done really well, but the edges were a little uh had some texture, it was a little more organic and it just looked like it had more soul and more spirit to it. Of course, you know, I was doing it from my heart, from my love and you know, from that. But now it just it looks a little sterile, it looks too professionally perfectly done. Um, you know, not, not not to say that it's bad or anything, but it's just they cleaned it up and it's
0: like permanently gold, but I think it's paint now and not the good stuff. Yeah. So, what made you decide to show this work now? Sarah Savoy um, contacted me through. um,
1: Okay, now I'm confused. Either it was through the magazine, um, or I met her at the Parkway Theater tribute. Okay. um, When the uh, New Power Generation. New Power Generation. with with, uh, Julius and um, so she's you know she's hugely connected with the circle the circle and of Prince fans. Prince and- fans worldwide yeah. right she's got a blog and you know she's, I don't know a couple million people so she's pretty pretty famous in, in that in that uh, culture um, so she contacted me and she's like um, I don't know you you know like you know I thought I knew everybody you know um, so she knew about that I had shown work in at at glam slam and she said well i'd like to come see that work would that be okay and she knew about the mural because the mural came out in the magazine she wanted to mural at my studio she wanted to see that and so uh we set up a meeting she came by she saw the work and she just right away was like we got to show this stuff you know um let's have an exhibit and of course i again i'm removed from it i'm doing other things now and i know how difficult it is setting things up and it's paperwork. It's got to be framed. It's you know, it's a whole different process. <clears throat> but she she talked me into it and set up things like this. Uh, I guess this work is now in September. It's going to go to the R and R auction. The auction that did the two auctions, um, Prince's stuff. They're okay. so doing a third one in September, and I'm now included in that. So this work will be um, will go into that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that she was able to kind of coax me into this and talk me into it and and it's really fun for me to pull this stuff out because again I haven't seen this work in 20 years Um, and I had forgotten about it Um, I knew of course I knew it was there uh, but once I pulled it out and really looked at it um, I've I've always been kind of bemoaned with my work you know as an artist when I first do it Um, and it takes like a while I got to put it away come back to it for in a year, look at it, and then I go, wow, that's, that was pretty good. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. Maybe I just was too into it at the time and I, and I couldn't see it. So, But now I lay it out on the table like this and I'm like, wow, this stuff is pretty special. you know. Um, so I'm really thankful um, that I'm doing this um, and, and being able to, to exhibit this work. Because this, this, what you see, is just a sliver. I mean, I got all these flat files of all of that. I mean, it was a lot of work I created back then. Not all of it got got shown. I will be showing some things in this exhibit that was not selected for the club, but it was a part of that time, and I just want to show it just because I like it, and it's an opportunity for me to show a few people that work.
0: I'm back at The Current now. I just wanted to share a story that Peyton shared with me via email after our conversation. He writes, I didn't mention the one cool thing that Prince did for me. This happened before he turned the lights off on me and John. He sent a bus to pick up my art students for a benefit concert at Paisley Park. I believe it was in 1996, Peyton writes. That was totally awesome. I'm not sure how it all went down and got set up, but a bus came to pick us up with a few others. Winter coats were handed out to the youth with a Prince glyph on the back, and he gave us a private question and answer session. But the adults in the room ruined that by asking dumb questions about purple rain or stupid trivial questions. Prince didn't want that, and he said so, but the adults continued on, and he got up and left. The concert was short, too. Not sure why, but he only played like four or six songs and left. After being there so many times, I knew that was not normal. I'm not sure what was going on, but the gesture was awesome. And the bus brought us back to my studio. Memorable evening.